Is this thing on? Wow. Is this thing on? Hello? Is this thing on? Is it on? I don't think so. What's up, everybody? I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark. And I just want to tell you how this thing works. So usually we start the show with fake news or real news. And then that was an epic ding, huh? Epic ding, man. Epic ding, man. How you doing? Anyway, we start off with fake news or real news. Then we move on to the actual book that we're talking about. And then we move on to an outline. Just in case you guys are wondering, because we usually start the show laughing and joking. But we're just doing that to warm you guys up, to show you who we're all about. And just to laugh a little yeah, bit, yeah. right, guys? Just to show you guys we don't take anything seriously. Yeah, yeah exactly. Who That's are we all about? Bible ding up in this thing. <laughs> what answer were you We're all for? about Bible dingers. Bible ding. Now we're all about glorifying God, right? Sure. Yeah. Anyway, as always. Bible dingers. Breaking news on Bible dingers news network. That was mad drops, son. Mad drops. That was actually an accident. I got some breaking news for you guys. Fake news or real news? Wait, which is it? It's oh. breaking fake news or real news. Okay. Sick, huh? Sick. Breaking fake news. Breaking fake news or real news. Well, at least they're telling the truth. On Just in Bible case you guys Dingers are News know, Network. This episode is about First and Second Kings. We didn't even say that. That's real news. You ready for this? Yes. No. I said. No. Are you ready for this? No. It's too early for this, Nick. Wait a minute. Are you ready for this? <laughs> no. Idaho. What do you know about Idaho? Do you have this memorized? Idaho. Yeah, you're usually <laughs> reading off of a... I got, I got a yeah, lot I'm of I'm going to go ahead and say I, fake news. I got a lot of things up here today, guys. I'm super prepared for this episode, you except have... it's going to be our worst episode. What? How you doing? How you doing? Idaho. Idaho. What do you guys know about Idaho? You Idaho? Know? It doesn't exist. Wait, so I have to just stare at my phone to make believe I'm reading something? You guys ready for this? Yeah. What, what What's the first thing you think about when you think about Idaho? I don't think about Idaho. <laughs> 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 I guess potatoes. Thank you. World's largest potato. Turn into an Airbnb. Fake news or real news? <laughs> what? Um, fake news or real news? If it's actually a potato, there's then no, no way. Because it would <laughs> decay. <laughs> but I could see it being like a potato house, like shaped like a potato. Well, sure. A real potato? No. That's not the headline, is it? I'll say that was breaking fake news. I'll say real. Daddy well, my says too right now. Why does this always happen? Can you guys just agree? He has to play devil's advocate. Aha! I oh, knew it. The headline. I knew I was right. The real headline. <laughs> Tell me about how I'm right. Well, it is. Uh, well, I don't know. Nobody says it's a it's a fake potato or a real potato, but it's just a big, huge potato. <laughs> Nonetheless. Nonetheless. So it's, a, it's a real. It's headline. an Airbnb, 
So they definitely have one. I doubt very much it's a real potato. Most headlines don't include that it's a fake potato. But it's definitely going on. And I want to go. Nobody else is trying to think of potato puns right potato now. Potato puns, I was. But I'm trying to think of something with spud in it. I feel like spud would be a good... Or tater. It's mad tater. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you, potato. <laughs> We got a little debate here, guys. Because is the Earth old or young? Yeah, a debate. A debate. A debate. Is that a potato pun? A a depotate. What's the debate? A debate. The debate is. Oh, which one? What is that saying? Oh, I thought it was because I've always heard Bible dingers and. I think it's a great soundbite. But one of our friends says it sounds like Bible Dinger Head. And now I can't unhear it. New Bible Dinger! New Bible Dinger Head! Or New Bible Diggers! I know what she's saying. Is there really a debate, though? It's huge. Like people oh, hitting huge. us up on social media. It's huge. Hey, hit it again. Hit it again. Hit it again. Do you hear it? No. I mean, she goes, errs. It definitely doesn't sound like head. Well, it does now. Watch. Hear it again. New, wait. New Bible dinger head. Watch. New Bible dinger I'm, like, uh, I'm trying to hear it. <laughs> Laurel versus Yanny. Yanny. Laurel. Yanny. Laurel. Yanny. Laurel. Yanny. I said Yanny, but you heard Laurel. Anyways, we're anyway. talking about first and second Yanny today. Fun fact, most people say first and second kings. Yes. We are talking about first and second kings today. Uh first we're gonna talk about the title where it came from. Do you guys know where it came from? Uh the books about kings. Ooh. Nikki? Nikki yeah, Ricky? It's, it's about queens. Ooh. Queen, there is Queen about of Sheba. Kings and queens. We'll get there. Yeah, buddy. So Originally, First and Second Kings were one book named Guess Kings, Kangs, Kangs. Oh, they kangaroos! Took out, they took out the A and replaced it with the I. Yes, it used to be called Kangs, similar to First and Second Samuel, which used to be Samuel. Wow, which you guys learned about last week. Um, King is the first word in chapter one, verse one. Maybe not in your English version. However, in the original. King, the Hebrew, is the first word. Mm. Fun fact: King is my mother's maiden name. Oh, really? Yeah, sick. And oh. also, Ryan, which is my first name, means kingly. So, so you were kingly king. If my mom would have had me out of wedlock, I would have been kingly king. Sick. Yeah. Look at you. You think you would have been like one of the kings Look in this book? From your head to your toes. 
Oh my god! <laughs> you did not just do that. <laughs> Anyways, um, First and Second Kings is a continuation of the content in First and Second Samuel. Kings was one book until the Subtuagent divided divided it into Third and Fourth Kingdoms. So that was the original division, Third and Fourth Kingdoms. First and Second Samuel was named First and Second Kingdoms. Oh, that's right. That's with, right. Right. We talked about this last week too, with First and Second Kings following it, but named Third and Fourth Kingdoms. Well, the the story just goes right through. Yeah, it pretty much picks up exactly where it's yeah. supposed to. Um, first and Second Kings, the way we see it today, first came from Jerome. Uh, Saint Jerome. Yeah, the Vulgate, and that was about six centuries after the Septuagint. Although it was called third and fourth kings in the Vulgate. So that's can the first time it, kings was used. Can we get this out of the way real quick? You got a fart. Every time you write St. Jerome in an outline, <laughs> you have to write Jerome, Rome, Rome. <laughs> Why is that? It, Kanye. I, I'm not a huge Kanye fan, so can you, you know? explain that? Uh, what would Jerome, Rome, Rome, Rome think? Oh, no, I never heard it. I think it's from Bound 2. Okay, I'm not a huge Kanye guy. On the Yeezus album, just Jerome, the fact Romy, that he Romy, called Romy, Romy, I'm good. Yeah, just because of that, you're good. Well, for a number of reasons, but I'm good. You're good because Christ died for you. Hallelujah. Anyways, so yes, I did write Jerome, Romy, Romy, Rome's translation <laughs> every time, every <laughs> single time it comes up. He takes the time out I'm, I'm to sure write extra words. <laughs> the, the Catholic Church just loved Kanye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, um, so that's the first time we see it called Kings, and that's in the Vulgate, which is uh, a couple centuries into the AD, and uh, it's a very early translation written in Latin. The divisions of these historical books was to make it easier to copy onto scrolls, which we also mentioned last week. It doesn't have anything to do with content or anything like that. It's just so that the scrolls would be manageable. Mm. Uh, so they wouldn't have to carry around ginormous scrolls f- uh, that contain the entire book. So yeah, that's uh, that's why we have a division in Kings. So that's the title. That's where it comes from. Oh, that's the divide. The, yeah, the North and the Southern Kingdom. The North and the Southern Book. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's the title. The author and the date of writing is what we're going to tackle next. And although First and Second Kings is lumped in with First and Second Samuel. It's unlikely that it was written by the same author. Kings is unique, um, and it was written similarly to the book of Luke, actually. Luke and, and Acts. The author used many sources similar to what Luke did. Oh. Including, these are some that he lists in the book of Kings. Mm-hmm. The book of the Acts of Solomon, mm-hmm. which is not an inspired book, however it is historical. The Chronicles of the Kings of Israel, also not an inspired book. He used Isaiah Mm. as a source, which is an inspired book. And he also used Jeremiah as a source, which is also, look at you, which is also look at you. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys got to keep in mind that the Old Testament isn't in chronological order. So first and second Kings was written after many of the prophet books. So the author of Kings was able to use other books of the Bible as reference, which is why you see him cite Isaiah and Jeremiah. Now, um, one of Ahab's dudes was Obadiah. 
Yeah. I don't know if it was the same Obadiah as the book. Um, I don't think so. Because it did say he was a righteous man. Yeah, I don't think so, but I have to go back and double check. Hmm. I think Obadiah is all about the Edomites and stuff. No, that's Nahum. No, it is. He talks Obadiah about is about Edom. the Edom, Edomites who are descendants of Esau. Edom means red. Esau was red and hairy. Anyways, total rabbit trail. Whoops. Sick. Whoops. Stay tuned for Obadiah. That's going to be a long one. <laughs> I really do like that book. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he used other books as references, and it is likely to have been written between 560 and 538 B.C., the last event recorded in Second Kings is the release of Jehoiachin from prison. Jehoiachin! That happened in 560 BC. So the book obviously wasn't finished until that happened. Also, there's no mention of the Jews being released from Babylonian captivity, which was one of the largest events in Jewish history. That happened in 538 BC. So because of that, it's likely that Kings was written before 538 B.C. Uh, and after 560 B.C. So that puts it um, during the Babylonian captivity. Hmm. The author, like many other historical books of the Old Testament, is unknown. There are a couple things we can gather about the author, though. The first thing is that they were likely a prophet of the Lord, as there is an emphasis on the prophets in this book. As well as many common phrases that the Old Testament prophets used, such as, are they not written, um, evil in the sight of the Lord, and as surely as the Lord lives. These are all phrases that are used a lot in the book and are also used a lot by prophets. So yeah, this the person was likely a prophet because they also, not only do they use those common phrases that prophets use, um, the author continually critiques acts of the kings against the Mosaic law. Hmm. Uh, and that was a ministry of the prophets. They were always critiquing the leaders against the Mosaic law. Uh, so that's the first reason. The second reason is they or I'm sorry. The second thing we can gather about the author is that they likely lived in Babylonian exile because they record events that were happen, happening in the Babylonian exile. Hmm. So they were likely there. So that leaves us with a few options of who the author could be. Um, the first option... Elisha? Yes. Except if you said his name Ezra instead of Elisha. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I put Ezra or Ezekiel as the first option. I guess that's two options, but I condensed it into one option. <laughs> <laughs> Ezra or Ezekiel is the first option uh, because they were well-known prophets who lived during and after the time of the exile. And uh, I think this is one of the most likely. The second option is that Hebrew tradition ascribes authorship to Jeremiah. And that's the, the Talmud um, that we've talked about in previous episodes, mm -hmm. which is basically something called the oral law that the Jewish people passed down. They didn't write it down. They passed it down orally and people just memorized it. And this is kind of like a historical commentary on the Bible, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, so the Talmud says that Jeremiah wrote Kings. However, I think that this seems unlikely because he didn't live in the exile. Um, he ran off to Egypt and died in Egypt. So I think that the author was probably in Babylonian exile 
and Jeremiah was not. So that's why I, I think that's unlikely. The a third option is that it's just some unknown prophet. We don't know who it is, but it is a prophet. There's lots of prophets besides the ones in the Bible that have written inspired scripture. You see the kings um, talking to prophets all the time and, and learning about what the Lord wants for the kingdom all the time from random dudes that I've never heard of. I, I like um, at the end of First Kings is Micaiah. Yeah, Micaiah. Who confronts King Ahab. Yeah, so there's all kinds of prophets besides the ones that have written books of the Bible. So it could have been one of them, some unknown prophet. Uh, and fourth and the last option is that, uh, and this is more of a liberal view, is that there are a bunch of authors and that the writing was way after the events. And I think this is pretty unlikely as well. Um, there's a lot of... Uni- uni- <laughs> hmm there's a lot of uniformity in the writing style and the phraseology so he's always saying and this guy did evil inside the Lord he's always repeating himself all the time and we'll see a little later on um, that this this is a very analytical guy that writ really he writ he wrote really meticulously yeah Um, it was consistent too his writing style is consistent yeah very consistent yeah so I think it's very unlikely that it was written by several authors after the events, way after the events. Hmm. So it could either be, in my view, Ezra or Ezekiel or some unknown prophet. I think those are the most likely options. Um, the date of the events, the entire history of kings covers about 413 years. It starts with the crowning of King Solomon, which happened in 973 B.C., and it ends with the release of Jehoiachin from Babylonian captivity, which happened in 561 BC. Um, the events, however, concentrated heavily between 973 and 586, which was the destruction of Jerusalem and full-on captivity of the southern kingdom of Judah by Babylon. Um, so that's that's uh, where most of the history happens. There's a lot of speculation on the timeline of the king's reigns that are laid out in this book. Although a lot of numbers are given, sometimes they seem to be inconsistent with each other. There are several books out there that will help you interpret the seemingly historical issues of kings. Uh, It's just a ton of info to get into. I don't want to break down every seemingly numerical error in the book of kings just because that would take forever. But there is quite a few issues, but there are several books out there that'll help you clear up the issues. Hmm. Anyway, that leaves us with the next section and that's some fun facts about first and second Kings. Oh boy. Oh, how you doing? Oh, we need to have like, how a, you doing? like a segment a for fun, fun facts. Fact, yeah. yeah. I've been trying to think, man, I can't think of anything. Dinger, dingerlings. I don't know. There it is. Fun facts. Okay. Anyway, we got some fun facts about first and second kings. The first one, are you ready to have some fun? Yay. I'm sorry, was that a horse? <laughs> <laughs> kings document um the reigns of forty kings. So that would be twenty kings for Israel, um, and twenty kings for Judah. Um and one of the kings of Judah was a queen. Oh yes. What? Athaliah, 
What? Yes, queen. <laughs> Athaliah was a lady who straight up took the throne. Um, get it, girl. Get it. You get it, girl. You get it, girl. <laughs> so one of the kings was a queen's. And we discussed this earlier. The writer of Kings seems very analytical and type A. They had an exact structure of introducing and concluding each of the king's reign, which included seven parts of the introduction, relationship to predecessor, his mother's name, his length of reign, etc., and six parts to the conclusion, name of successor, a citation of sources, etc. So we would see that consistent through the introduction and conclusion of almost every king. Um, another fun fact is of all the kings mentioned, only two are named as doing right in the sight of the Lord. Asa. I had a I had a childhood friend named Asa. Asa? Yeah. Asa and Jehoshaphat. 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 Okay. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. I don't know. I saw a video where they said there were eight good kings. So I don't know. There were eight good kings, but there are only two that are mentioned as doing right in the sight of the Lord. Gotcha. Because there was jo- Josiah was in kings. Um, Joash was a good king. However, they're not specifically mentioned as doing right in the sight of the Lord, that phraseology. Gotcha. <coughs> All right. So now we have a general purpose of First and Second Kings. One of the major themes we see in First and Second Kings is the blessings Israel received when following God and how their obedience to God was a blessing to the whole world. However, we also see the flip side, that when Israel abandoned the Lord for their own desires, they reaped the consequences of that decision. That seems apparent throughout all of these books um, in the Old Testament. They had gone into exile for continually turning away from the Lord for hundreds of years. And this is the pattern that we see Israel in constantly. Mm. God, God takes them out of their sin. He gives them new. Um, he gives them new instructions. Do this, and they, they have the, they have the tendency to do the complete opposite. Um, another thing we see in the Book of Kings is how, how the people of God consistently live in unbelief and disobedience. Mm-hmm. But God never forsakes them, and that's. This is something that I can't drive home enough. God never forsakes you either. Um, This book shows that he is always sovereignly working in the background, even when we have abandoned him. Mm. We continuously choose our sin over what we know God wants for us, yet God never, ever, ever abandons us. When When we choose to go back to him and repent from our sins and we choose to do it God's way, he's never going to say, nah, I don't want you. So, um, let's get into the outline, right? This is exciting outline? stuff. You want to get into the outline? Is this thing on? <laughs> if you want to learn something about God, shut your mouth and listen to me for a minute. So shut your mouth and listen to this outline. <laughs> Solomon. Oh, it's Salami. Uh, oh, ah! <laughs> you always take my freaking jokes, Mark. Anyway, let's get into the outline. <laughs> These guys are something else. You guys are just so quirky. Are you guys having fun? Yeah, this is always fun. Anyway, Nick, King Nick, Solomon. You seem kind of out of it. Really? Yeah. For real? Yeah, for real. Anyway, let's get into the outline. Um, if you want to learn something about 
about God, shut your mouth. If you want to, if you want, if you want to learn something about God, shut your mouth. Listen to me for a minute. Let's go through the outline. Look at you. People don't even want to know the truth. Oh, we're gonna go. We're gonna get real. Feeling it now, Mr. We're gonna get real soundboardy real quick. Anyway. Let's get into the outline. Solomon. I love King Solomon, man. He's so lamin. For the most part. I love King Solomon. <laughs> He's so lamin. Until he, you know. So this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, shut up, Anyway. Mark. Okay. <laughs> so this is. <laughs> the book is outlined. In, <laughs> Wait, I uh, really think Mark had something to say. <laughs> I mean, at the end of his Anyway, life. so we're going to go through the outline. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go, 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 go. No, whatever. Bible dingers. I mean, we'll get there when we get there. Okay, sure. Oh. So the book is outlined. Hot take. Starting at the reign of Solomon. And then it goes on to the divided kingdom and the surviving kingdom. Um, so basically three parts, but there's a lot going on in those three parts. Um, basically, we begin with the reign of King Solomon, and I love King Solomon. Oh, Daddy loves ducks. <laughs> Solomon. <laughs> Duck Solomon. <laughs> Duck Solomon. <laughs> so basically, it starts off with him becoming king. He takes over for David um, because we see in chapter one that David's health is declining. Mm. He's going to die. And that's uh, something that's happening now. He's dying! Everybody's dead! No, no, no. So David's declining health. And then um, in chapter 1, it, well, it, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, we see his, his health is declining. He needs a helper. Um, we need so, He needs Ooh. someone to take care of him. Um, and then uh, Ananias' attempt to seize the throne... Um, that is David's son. He's attempting to take kingship. Um, but then David's charge was to Solomon in chapter 2 because he wanted to follow God's way. And Adonijah just was celebrating. He was celebrating before his father even gave him anything. Mm. Um, I mean, we could speak about that. He technically had the right to become king. But sometimes what we want and our right is not God's plan. And that becomes apparent. Didn't God also make a promise to David that Solomon would be king? Yeah, and I think he made a promise to his mom, to uh, to um, Solomon's mom, right? Who was Solomon's mom? Bathsheba. Mm. Didn't he have an agreement with her? Yeah. Or no, King King uh, King David had an agreement with his mom, with yes. Bathsheba, with yeah. his with his wife Bathsheba, <laughs> his, his wife, wife Bathsheba. Yeah, yeah, with his wife, <laughs> the one that he killed. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. But then, like in almost every book we've read so far, we have David's death. Um, David's death is in every book we've read (laughs) so far. No, I mean, most uh, the main characters die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But King David was definitely one of the sadder moments. I Uh, I don't know. Bittersweet. Um, Well, you know, you don't really understand King David until you start to learn about his heart and God continuously reminds us of that by saying you didn't do things God you didn't do things King David's way you know yeah. what I mean so apparently King David was doing something right yeah he, I mean overall he was a good guy but I wasn't that attached to him really actually yeah. even in first Kings it 
it speaks about David quickly and and it's like um and he did everything right in the sight of the Lord except uh with the Uriah. Yeah, 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 he yeah, mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. I forgot. Well, everybody has an except, but for the most part he was a good guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not why I'm not attached to him though. I'm just like eh, I don't have any kind of like feelings towards overrated. Him. I really like King Solomon though. I do like Solomon too, yeah. In chapter 2 we see the beginnings of King Solomon's reign. Um, as soon he as he gets into office, so to speak, he just goes on this purge. He starts killing people in chapter 2, 13 through 46. Um, when Bathsheba comes to him and has a special request that Adonijah gets Abishag as a wife. Um, Solomon was super upset about that. And that's in 1 Kings 1, 1 through 4. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's in First Kings two thirteen through forty six, but we have to. Well, we, at first glance, we're like, "What's King Solomon's problem?" Because he goes on a on a straight up purge when he gets this question, and he he starts killing a bunch of people and he gets really mad. He's like, "I might as well have given him the throne," and you got to ask yourself, why, right? So in First um, Kings one one through four, we see who Abishag was we see that he was um she that she was not a concubine what's another word for it um abroad so mistress i guess kind of basically a lady she was david's caretaker yeah david's caretaker um not not really a concubine because they never had any type of sexual relationship she was a snuggle buddy yeah they didn't have any sexual relationship. It was solely her job to snug, to snug, and uh, they were snugs and cuddle. Yeah, cuddle buddy. Straight up. Um, th- I know there's a word for it, but I can't think of it right now. A cuddle buddy. But <laughs> if the first son would marry his concubine, then or someone related directly to his house, he would have only o- almost been promised the kingship, regardless mm-hmm. of King Solomon being in office already. He would have been automatically getting that role um so he was trying to sneak his way in and king solomon knew his plan his devious plan to no, get, no, no. become a king <laughs> oh like to kembe yeah he went like this yeah no 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 with that big old finger <laughs> um in chapter three we see king solomon's wisdom he actually prayed for this he asked for understanding and <laughs> How ability. Do you believe it <laughs> can you believe it he prayed for understanding and an ability to discern good and evil. Um, God rewarded him for his prayer, and that's something to be said, right? When we pray, a lot of times we ask for all these things that we really don't use for God. Lord, make a way for this job. Lord, make a way for this car. Lord, make a way for this. And something that I've seen through the story is when I pray, I'm trying to actually change the way I pray. <clears throat> change the way I pray so that when I ask God for something, I say, Lord, please make a way for this so I can do this for you. Mm. Um, even if it's a car, Lord, if you're going to provide me with this car, I want to go and make disciples. Or, you know, I try to curve the way I think and say, Lord, how can I use this for you? Solomon asked for wisdom and God rewarded him because he didn't ask for longer life. He didn't ask for more money. He didn't ask for anything materialistic. He asked for wisdom and God gave it to him. And as a result, not only did he get wisdom, he got all the other things too. He became like so, the richest man on the planet. Yeah. So let's like not pray selfishly, right? I, I think that's a lesson that I learned. Rich. Yeah. That's, the, that's yeah, the lesson. That's yeah. a good prosperity gospel, huh? Yeah, come on. 
Nope. Anyway. Joel, where are you at? I'm feeling it. Joel? He got wisdom, but he it. also gained power, right? We see this We see this evident in his political strength in chapter 4. He was literally wiser than any man on earth. People from everywhere came just to hear him speak. Can you imagine that? They like there. I'm sure there were lines of people waiting just to ask him a question. Right? He was so wise. I mean, I go through that too. I feel his pain there. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are lines of people. Yeah. Just asking me about my wisdom. Yeah. I'm sure. Aye. <laughs> Aye. Anyway, not only were there lines of people waiting to hear from him, he also had a group of people that worked for him, right? He had 12 officers and high officials over Israel. And this chapter, in um, chapter 4, just lists them all. So if you were to read that, it's just basically a, a, a whole list of names of people who, who basically worked for his kingship, right? We have... Um, we have high officials, and we have um, all the political people in there. So in uh, chapter 5 through 8, we see his accomplishments. So we see in chapter 5, the preparation for building, the temple construction in chapter 6, Solomon's palace, which is crazy. In chapter 7, crazy, crazy. the temple furnishing and the temple dedication in chapter 8. This, literally, this palace was something else. Yeah crazy everything was gold everything it was like insane um insane insane in the membrane gold insane Shouldn't in we the membrane talk about the building of the temple for a second yeah sure. isn't that pretty important no okay <laughs> go ahead <laughs> oh well for the first time it was the tabernacle which was this you know portable kind of just tent you know, I mean, it was nice. They made it nice, but it was still like a tent. Mm. Uh, but for the first time, God had like a permanent home and, mm. you know, a very nice temple. Mm. I feel that on a whole different level because right now we're portable. And we have a permanent home for the Spirit. sound tent mm. here yeah. while we record. But I believe that God will give us a temple but in the future, this this room will be used to worship Baal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like on a deeper well, level. <laughs> that was a good point, Mark. We should talk more about this. Yeah, we'll get to no, no, that no, no. part. So, so he is right. He is right. So now God had a permanent. He resided permanently in this place. Um, kind of a connection in, as to how we are today. God has a permanent place in our lives, in our homes, in our hearts. And we don't have to do any type of sacrifices or anything to welcome the Holy Spirit. He's permanent in our bodies, mm. in our hearts, in our lives. Um, there's some connection there that we can expound on at some point. But um, All right, in chapters, in chapters 9 through 11, we see the fruits of Solomon's reign. Um, something that came out of this reign is God's covenant with Solomon. He said, follow me like your father David, and I will establish your throne forever. Um, turn away from me and his house will be cast out of his sight and Israel's land will be cut off. There's a point here that I want to talk about over and over again in this book. We see God telling them, well, telling him do it and telling multiple people also do it David's way, the way he did it. And you will reap the benefits. You will do it my way. And David was not this spectacular person. 
David had a lot of downfalls. So what does that say about God? What does that say about us? What, what that says about God is, for me, is just that he's a merciful God, that he has mercy on us despite our failures. What it says about us is that we have a fighting chance. If God can over and over in this book say, do it David's way, and David did such messed up things, that means God was looking at David's heart. He wasn't looking at his failures. He was looking at how he repented and how he wanted to do things God's way and his effort in his life and not just all the times he failed. So we have a fighting chance. There's so many people that say, my feet are, go- are going to burn if I walk into church or, oh, no, I'm a hypocrite. I'm not ready for church right now. Listen, if, if, Dave, if, if, if David had a fighting chance, you do too. Um, and that just spoke to me as I was reading it. Um, how does, how should that inspire us to live? I think it, it should tell us that we have a fighting chance and we should just continuously attempt to seek God in everything, regardless of our failures. If David can do it, we can do it too, because we're equal with David in my eyes. I failed just as many times as David did. And if God says, um, do it David's way. I want God to say to somebody else, do it Nick's way. Not saying that I'm in any biblical, you know, at a biblical level. I'm just saying in general, I would I would hope that God can say that about me one day or about any of us. Watch out for the next best-selling book, Do It Nick's Way. Do It Nick's Way, right? Ooh. Thanks, Pastor. Hey. In chapter 9... 10 through 28, we see evidence of God's blessing. Um, Solomon had everything. Solomon had money, land, building materials, workers. Slaves. Literally. He He started up slavery again. Literally, this man was crazy rich. Um, and, And then that leads to Solomon's greatness in chapter 10. And we see that the Queen of Sheba gave him all those spices as a gift for being wise. Hey, you know what? You're so wise. Here's I'm some gonna... cinnamon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's some adobo. Some sasson. Sasson. Some sasson. You guys want some achote? Mm. Um, here's some spices. But listen, this is not a typical amount of spices. This was a crazy amount this of spices. Mad spices. This is more spices than 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 the nation had ever seen before. Uh, <laughs> Look at all these spices. <laughs> oh, my God. So much adobo. <laughs> yeah. He also had 666 talents of gold. I've seen some commentaries link this number to other things. We're not going to get into that right now. It's just opening a camera of worms that I'm not ready for right it's now. It's a lot. But in a, <laughs> on a literal sense... He had so much gold. That was every year. That wasn't just total. Yeah, every year. 666 coming in every so year. So using the gold price of 2012, it would be worth around $2 billion. A year. Which in his time, and even now, he was richer than Bill Gates. Oh, well, yeah. That w- the price would only go up over time. Are That's you, what I'm are saying. You, are, you, are you doing? So this dude, not only was he the wisest man in the world... Was he richer than Bezos? Bezos. Bezos? I'm not sure. Um, but Amazon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, dude, but he was rich, dude. He was rich. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in cha- in chapter 11, 
We see Solomon's sin Uh-oh. and death. Yeah, what was his sin? Y'all remember? Uh, uh, worshiping Molech. Well, his sin was really woman. Um, he was a womanizer, I think. Yeah. Woman, womanizer. I think I think him and David had some in common. He 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 definitely had a lustful well, eye. David had like seven wives, but Solomon, yeah, Solomon had seven hundred like seven hundred yes. wives. Solomon was way worse. Yeah, but you know, I, listen, I relate to the sin a little bit. I think we all can relate to the sin, the desire of wanting woman, right? No. And and Solomon was definitely in a in a I mean, financial state. He was a king. To say, hey, woman, come over here. I would like you as my wife, and I'm sure he treated well, them well. But he treated them wives, yeah, right. Three hundred concubines, yeah. But he treated them too well. He treated them well to too the point well. too he well. He needed to treat them terribly. No, no, that's so well women. that he gave them room to worship their own gods within the temple of God. So yeah. Baal had a little section in the house, and this god had a little section in the house, and this god had a little place right there where we can worship him. But on top of that, we're going to leave room for the real god, but we're just going to give you little corners of the room in order for you to have your own space. Now, so. if you're listening to our Adherent Apologetics episode, oh. you'll remember that Carl talked about Molech. Carl. Do you guys remember Molech? Yes. Yes. He's like the, the uh, baby eater. The mm-hmm. baby eater god. Yeah. He's the uh you know, the dude with the bull head. He has his arms out and the yeah. the Ammonites or whoever place their babies on his hands and then they burn him. They light a match under the baby. Yep. Yeah. And then like they play horns and drums, so they drown out the crying. Yep. Uh huh. And That's King insane. Solomon, end of his reign, he allowed that brought in this deity. Yeah. And not only that, people think that God is unjust for like wiping out people and doing all these things. We're getting back into this. Listen, but for a second, how long do you think it took to actually make a God? Like for them to melt down this gold and sculpture out this God. Like this thing wasn't overnight. Like it took a long time. These people's hearts were evil for a long time. Well, there's that, but then they were sacrificing children. Yeah, that too. Well, yeah, that's so, yeah. I guess that's the worst part. Anyways, so that is the first portion of Kings. The second portion is when we get into the divided kingdom, and that starts with First Kings chapter twelve, and it goes all the way to Second Kings chapter seventeen. Um, and that is broken up into a couple smaller sec- sections itself. The first section is the first rebellion. And that's chapter 12 through chapter 16, the middle of chapter 16. Um, And that starts with the actual division of the kingdom. And that's the beginning of chapter 12. And this is where Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son, attempted to make Israel work super hard labor. um, And they didn't want to do it, basically. And that's when the kingdom split. So somebody came to Rehoboam and was like, Hey, your dad made us work really hard labor and he was kind of oppressive. So can you like chill out? And then Rehoboam sought advice from older men who said, yeah, go ahead and lighten the load. And then he also uh, sought advice from his bros. It said younger men. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the younger men were like, nah, bro, make their workload like 10 times the workload. And, of course, Rehoboam went with the younger guys, his bros, because he was foolish and was young. And he ended up giving the Israelites a super heavy workload um, and made them work hard labor. 
And because of that, the kingdom was like, nah, the north split off from the south because they didn't want to be under Rehoboam as their king. Um, that was Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Yes, Israel was the northern kingdom. Judah was the southern kingdom. So that's where they first split. Um, and you see the first two rulers of those two kingdoms. Jeroboam comes first, and he is the ruler in Israel. This, and This um, was so confusing because their names are, are similar. There's a lot of similar names. There's even duplicate names in in this list. Um, so just try and follow along. I get it if you're not going to remember all of these names, but we're going to go through them anyway. Um, yeah, so the first two rulers are Jeroboam and obviously Rehoboam who caused the split. Jeroboam's uh, story was chapters 12 through 14, and Rehoboam's um, reign was the end of chapter 14. And one thing I want to mention is that there are differences between these kings. Some of them are evil and some of them are good. Um, the majority of the good kings are in the south in Judah. However, there I think there is one or two good kings in the north Israel as well. Oh, I could have swore there was none. There, that might be true. Like there's there's evil ones and there's good ones and then there's like passively disobedient ones. Yeah. That like they don't try to make any changes from their fathers. For the most part they're evil. Yeah. Uh but there are a handful of good kings so blow through it real quick. That was Jeroboam and Rehoboam are both mentioned as evil. Uh, next was Abijah. He took over Judah after Rehoboam, uh, and he had an evil reign. After Abijah came Asa, uh, and he had a good reign in Judah. He he had a good reign because he got rid of the idols that were in Judah. So, uh, the writer of Kings said he was a good king. Um, after Jeroboam in Israel came Nadab, and Nadab had an evil reign. After Nadab came Basha, who also had an evil reign, and we're still in the northern kingdom. Basha killed Nadab to take over. Um, His own father? Yes. No. No. I thought that's what you just said. Maybe. Well, he killed Nadab. However, I don't think Nadab was his father. I thought you just said that. Or he was just he took over successor. Yeah, he uh, took over. Okay. He was the next king in line. I don't think they were um, gotcha. father and son. Um, and Basha is mentioned several times throughout the rest of the book. Uh, he was one of the extravagantly evil kings. One one of the many. Um, after Basha came Elah. Um, he was Basha's son. And he also had an evil reign in Israel, the northern kingdom. And he was mentioned to be a drunk. So that's an interesting fact about Elah. Hmm. After Elah came Zimri. um, And Zimri was an evil king in Israel, the northern kingdom. Zimri killed Elah to take over. And, fun fact, he reigned for seven days. (laughs) A week. Hmm. He was king for a week, and then he ended up setting himself on fire. And that is how his kingship ended. Now, that happens to all of us, right? Right. What are you doing over there, bro? How many times do you guys become king, and then seven days later, you light yourselves on fire? 
<laughs> exactly. Can I get an amen? That rain was so lit. That rain was so fire. Uh, we're so relevant. <laughs> Anyways, so after Zimri came, after Zimri's awesome rain of a week, came Omri's evil rain, also in the northern kingdom of Israel. A fun fact about Omri is that he purchased Samaria and established it as a city. And that's where we see the Samaritans first joining Israel. Well, the capital of Israel, right? Yes. The Northern Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then we'll we'll read about the Samaritans a lot in the New Testament. And this is where they come from. Ooh. They come from Omri purchasing Samaria. Um, he was an idolater. He was evil. Evil. Um, so that was the first rebellion. After that, there was like a period of peace, strangely enough. Um, and that was first Kings at the end of chapter 16, all the way to second Kings chapter nine, verse 29. So we're making the jump here from first Kings to second Kings in this section. Um, and the first part of that is Ahab's evil reign in Israel. And that's a, that's a big one. Ahab's one of the, uh, famous Kings. Wait, his evil reign is the beginning of the peace. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's not because of Ahab. Oh, do you mean like there was just no warfare? Well, yeah, but also because we have two major players coming onto the scene right now. Yeah, some prophets. During Ahab's reign. Um, before I mention them, I want to mention that Ahab is Omri's son. So Omri was the last king um, over the northern kingdom of Israel who bought Samaria. Ahab is Omri's son. Ahab married Jezebel, who I'm sure you've heard of. Jezebel was wicked. Jezebel is a wicked lady. Not wicked like Boston. Like wicked cool. No. She was wicked bad. Mm. Like bad, evil wicked. Bad girl. <clears throat> and Ahab was an idolater. Um, so we are actually going to break down Ahab's evil reign since it's six chapters. Um, Ahab's introduced at the end of chapter 16. And then in the beginning of chapter 17 the prophet Elijah is introduced. Um, I love Elijah. Yeah, Elijah's super dope. And uh, the first story of him is when he is out in the wilderness being sustained by ravens. Yeah, Um, they bring him food. Yeah, the ravens bring him food, and God's just like making water appear because I think he told him to go sit by a brook or something like that. But the brook ended up drying up, and God... The birds bring him bread and water every day. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. So that's the first story uh, of, and we're we're getting introduced to Elijah in that story. The second story is the end of chapter 17, and that's Elijah and the widow. And that's when he's going, and the widow has no food. And she's like, we only have this little bit of food here, so let me make it and die. Uh, Yeah, it'll be our last meal, me and my son. Yeah. Um, and Elijah makes more food, obviously, for them to eat. Well, Elijah doesn't, but he uses the power of God, too. Um, next is chapter 18 through chapter 19, and this is one of the big ones. This is one of Elijah's major, uh, moments, and that's when Elijah challenges Ahab and Baal, the god, um, and this is the story of... Um, well, it's like 400 prophets of Baal. Right, 400 prophets of Baal. Well, Ahab's, the challenge of Ahab is in chapter 18. The challenge of Baal is more chapter 19. 
Um, but basically, this is where Elijah gets the 400 prophets versus himself. And he's like, okay, let's see whose God is real. Is it Baal or is it the Lord? You guys go to your altar and call down fire from heaven. And I'll go to my altar and call down fire from heaven. Whichever altar gets set on fire, their God is real. Mm. So it says that the prophets of Baal are like screaming and shouting and cutting themselves and going crazy trying to get fire to come down on their altar. Um, Elijah is very witty. Yeah. He's he's like, why don't you try shouting louder? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Baal's busy in the bathroom. Yeah. He says, maybe (laughs) Baal's taking a dump. He says, maybe Baal's asleep. Uh, And then on top of that, to add insult to injury, after they can't get fire to come down, he goes to his altar and he pours tons of water on it. So it says that there's water gathered in a trench that's dug around the altar um, just pours a ton of water on it and God sends fire down immediately Immediately, and it sets on fire even though the logs are wet, the altar is wet. Um, it all sets on fire and that was to prove that God is the real God, the one God and Baal is not. Um, so that's one of the major moments in Elijah's life. And then in the end of chapter 19, we are introduced to Elisha who is going to be his successor. We don't uh, see a lot about Elisha. It's only two verses here, but his name is introduced um, at the end of chapter 19. And then twenty chapters 20 through 22, um, we see Ahab and Jezebel's wickedness. And basically, to sum it all up, Ahab is an evil dude, and he dies in these chapters, chapters 20 through 22. Can we quickly talk about the story with Micaiah and Ahab? Go ahead. Well, okay, Ahab is such a dense dude. Like, I mean, he saw the whole thing with the 400 prophets and Elijah, and he still didn't believe. But even with Elijah and the other prophet, (laughs) Micaiah, he's always like, I hate these guys. They never give me good prophecies. Yeah, that's true, yeah. (laughs) But it's like, he doesn't put two and two together. Oh, and this is where we see the deceiving spirit and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. So this is uh, chapter 22, 1 Kings. And uh, yeah, first Kings. Yeah. Ahab is, he's wants, he's looking to go to war and he's not sure if he should or not. So he's asking, you know, his advisors and his prophets. Yeah. His quote unquote prophets, I would say. Yeah. He has like this whole group of his prophets and they're like, yes, go to war. You'll be victorious. The land, the Lord will hand over the enemies to you. Yeah. And then they ask, uh, is there any other prophets in the land we haven't asked? And they're like, oh yeah, Micaiah. And Ahab's like, no, not that guy. Yeah. He never <laughs> gives me good prophecies. I yeah. Hate yeah. Even though they're true. Yeah. Uh, that's the problem. We don't and, want to hear truth a lot and, of times. <laughs> One of Ahab's advisors goes and fetches Micaiah. And we, when he gets him, he's like, make sure you tell the king a good prophecy. Tell yeah, him that yeah, yeah. you'll win the battle. And he's like, no, I can only tell what the Lord tells me. Yeah. And so when he finally goes back to Ahab, um, Ahab you know, he, he it says he sarcastically replies, yes, go up and be victorious for the Lord will give <laughs> the king victory. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's funny. I just feel like it's funny to see this type of humor in the Bible. Yeah. Mm. Um, but then obviously afterward, he's like, you know, just kidding. Here's the real prophecy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going down. It is pretty crazy that he wouldn't want a real prophecy about his fate in a battle, whether he's going to live or die. He just wants to hear that he's going to live, whether that's true or not. That's how dense he is. Yeah. Even Saul, King Saul died. He heard a prophecy that he was going to die in battle the next day. And he was like, nah. And he went into battle the next day and died. It's yep. like, 
Yeah. You don't want to hear it. You just don't want to hear it. You want to listen to your sinful heart hearts mm. all the time. Yeah. So anyways, that's Ahab's end. He um he dies because uh he doesn't believe. Um after that, we get into a section where we learn about Jehoshaphat and he was one of the good ones. He reigned in the southern kingdom of Judah. So we just saw a big list of Israel, the northern kingdom's kings. Uh, there's a big gap, and then we get to Jehoshaphat, who is a king of Judah. He was Asa's son. So oh. Asa was the last king of Judah that we saw, and Asa was also a good king. So we have two good kings in a row here, Asa and then his son Jehoshaphat. Um, interesting thing about Jehoshaphat, he was actually cool with Ahab. Uh, he would go up to the northern kingdom and they would meet up and you see a couple stories where he's there with Ahab. And he also is somewhat cool with um, Ahaziah, who is going to be the next section. Um, so Jehoshaphat is always trying to bring peace, it seems like, between the northern and the southern kingdom. Hmm. Um, Jehoshaphat is mentioned to be a good king because he got rid of the idols that were left in Judah. Until someone brought them back. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, yeah, so that's a, a quick hit on Jehoshaphat. After that, we read about Ahaziah, who was um, Ahab's kid. And that covers First Kings and makes the jump into Second Kings. Chapter 1, verse 18 is where the end of Ahaziah's reign is. Um, he was a evil king in, in northern Israel. After that, we get another evil king in northern Israel, Jehoram. And that was chapters 2 through chapter 8. Um, and the reason why this section is so long, it only really mentions Jehoram in the beginning. However, during the time of Jehoram's reign, reign, we get Elisha. So in the very beginning, chapter two, verses one through 14, Elijah goes up in the chariot and Elisha becomes the new major prophet in the land. Um, and basically chapters two through chapters eight, I can't sit here and break down everything. Uh, basically, Elisha does a bunch of miracles, and that's it. He does, you know, he feeds people just like Elijah did, and he does. He gets the axe head to float on the water. He does a million things. There's like twenty different miracles he does in this section. I think isn't it the they're trying to show that Elisha was even better than Elijah. Yeah, he he raised somebody from the dead, actually, Elisha, mm -hmm. which was a big one. Well, Elijah with the widow's son. Uh, the widow's son died and then he prayed oh uh, yeah and yeah god brought him You're back right. to life no that was elisha no that's in the the end of or that when we meet elijah and he goes to the widow's house oh yeah you're right the son dies and then he prays yeah you're right brings <clears throat> him back yeah but yeah um the bible was trying to prove that elisha was even greater than elijah mm -hmm. um but yeah that's jehoram's evil reign it's mostly about elisha and he does a bunch of cool stuff after that, you get Jehoram's evil reign in Judah. Um, so this is a different Jehoram. We have two Jehorams in a row. There's the evil Jehoram of the north, and then that's followed by the evil Jehoram of the south. Um, and that's in chapter 8. Also, at the end of chapter 8, we go to Ahaziah, and this is a different Ahaziah <laughs> from a chapter ago. Uh, he is an evil king in the south. So we go from Asa and Jehoshaphat to two evil kings, Jehoram and Ahaziah in the south. Um, so that is the period of peace 
we've gone through the first rebellion, the period of peace, and now we are in the second period of rebellion. And that is chapters 9 through 17. Uh, and we're going to try and run through these real quick. Mm-hmm. First, there's Jehu's evil reign uh, in Israel. That's chapter 9 through chapter 10. And he kills Ahaziah, who is the king of the previous king of Israel. And he also kills Jezebel, Ahab's wife. Oh. Or Jezebel is killed here. Um, she's thrown out and, you know, licked up by dogs and stuff. After that is Athaliah's evil reign in Judah. Then there's Jehoash's good reign in Judah, and that's chapters 11 through chapter 12, and he tried to fix up the temple that has been so badly destroyed by the idolatry and stuff. Mm. After that is Jeho- Jehoahaz, Jehoahaz's evil reign in the northern kingdom Israel. Then there's Jehoash's evil reign in Israel, uh, and that's chapter 13. And in this section, we see Elisha's death. Um, so, see you later. See you later, Elisha. Um, then after that is chapter 14, Amaziah. And Amaziah had a good reign in Judah. It's chapter 14. At the end of chapter 14, we get Jeroboam the second, And... Um, Jeroboam had an evil reign in the nor- in the northern Israel. After that is Azariah's good reign in Judah, and that was early chapter fifteen. Azariah had a really long reign, fifty two years. Azariah was the king of Judah. <clears throat> also, this king was a leper. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, he had leprosy. So that's like um, Kingdom of Heaven. You guys seen that movie? No. The leper king. <laughs> peasants it's a good song it's a good song it's a good movie yeah yeah orlando bloom now how does that work how do you have leprosy and be a king yeah i thought you were an outcast yeah me too okay so after that (laughs) is zechariah's evil reign in israel then there's shalom's evil reign in israel shalom manahem's evil reign in israel manaheim pekahiah's evil reign in israel Pekka's evil <laughs> reign in Israel. Got some nice Pekka's, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some nice Pekka's. Then there's Jotham's good reign in Judah, one of the few good reigns. After that is Ahaz evil Ahaz's evil reign in Judah. Ahaz sacrificed his child. Oh, nice. That's chapter sixteen. After that is Hosea's evil reign in Israel. And that was chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. And then following chapter 17, verse 1 through 6, is a big one. That is the captivity of the northern kingdom. Whoa. That's chapter 17, verses 7 through 41. And that is when the northern kingdom is taken into captivity. They are made to be slaves. They are obliterated. They are taken out of northern israel exile this is the historical record of the exile of the northern Mm. kingdom chapter 17 never happened (laughs) so right before that we're going to talk about well right after that we're going to talk about the surviving kingdoms in chapter 18 to 25 but before that oh breaking news on oh Ooh. Okay. How you doing? 
Denver nurse is suspended for opening body bag to admire man's <laughs> Denver? <laughs> I just want to see your faces. It's fine. Well, obviously, that's real news. We can move on. <laughs> we can move on, bro. Hmm, let's ponder this one. Hmm. Did a woman open a bag with a man in it <laughs> to look at his... <laughs> anyway, let's go to the real one. Mom... Change his son's name after tattoo spelling error. No. <laughs> oh. Is this fake news or real news? What? That sounds real southern. Yeah, I'm going to say you. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say you. <laughs> Who's tattooing their children? Everybody. Man. Everybody has Man. their kids' names. Mom changes son's name Wait, oh. after tattoo spelling error. Oh, on her. So she got oh. a tattoo with the name spelled wrong. I'm thinking and she's then, tattooing her son. Oh, no, no. Um, then she changed the birth cert- or whatever to to that incorrect okay, spelling. I see. Yeah, 100%. In Florida. 100%. I wouldn't say it's in Florida. I would. I would. You pretty much be anywhere. Venture out and say, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Do you really want me to find out where it was? Yes. Oh, so it's true. (laughs) 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 Oh no, where was it? Oh, she was Swedish. Swedish. So she named her kid IKEA. She wanted to honor her children, Nova and Kevin. And Kevin, she spelled Kevin wrong. She spelled it with a C. Ke- Kevin was two years old. She got this tattoo, and uh, she got the tattoo, and she realized that it was spelled Kelvin, C E L V I N. Brutal. And uh, she went to the tattoo artist and said, "Hey, is there any way you could fix this? You spelled my son's name wrong." He's like, <laughs> "No." <laughs> and she goes, "All right." I'm changing my kid's name. No way. After two years of life, she then changes her son's name from Kevin to Kelvin to match the tattoo. Wow. You don't think she could have put like a thermometer next to it or something? Yeah. <laughs> With the L, bro? Like she was an exclamation point, turn the L into it, just put a dot underneath. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I thought that was super interesting. Would you change your child's name if you had a wrong tattoo? Like instead of Robbie, it said Bobby. Well, that's no, that is name. the same name. That's true. Yeah. Maybe if it said Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I would just. Hey, you spelled it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jack! Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think I would change my kid's name now. No? So you just stick it out. Why am I going to change my whole kid's life 
for a mistake that some dude named Chad made. Well, it had to be Chad. Yeah, while tattooing me. Hmm. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna call you Kid Jack from now on, bro. So she calls her kid or Kelvin like, now. Instead of his come name, here, Kelvin. No, his name is Kelvin. His name is Kelvin now, permanently. Wow. Anyway, well, what if instead of like Ari, it was an M in front of it? It looked like Mary, Mary, or something. Oh. Yeah, I would definitely not change her name to <laughs> Mary. She liked it anyway. She was like, I never thought of Kelvin. Might as well. Hmm? Nice. Yeah, that seems... That's too much. Bad judgment. That's too much. That ain't it, Chief. Mm. Anyway, I kind of drew a blank. Look at you. 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 Anyway, we are at the third and final... Portion of portion. the books of First and Second Kings. Yeah, we're the freaking portion. And we are at the Surviving Kingdom, you know chapters really eighteen to twenty-five. <laughs> portion. <laughs> portion. <Freaking> portion. Portion. <laughs> <laughs> we had to find a portion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're at the final portion. Anyway, we're at the final section of 2 Kings, chapters 18 to 25, and that describes the surviving kingdom. Um, Chapters 18 to 20 describes Hezekiah's good reign, Um, and we see Hezekiah's goodness. He actually had a pretty good heart. He tried to revamp things a little bit, right? So good. Tried to revamp things a little bit. Like what? Change things up. Like what, Ryan? He said, maybe not Bale. Maybe we'll just go with uh, Dagon. I'm trying to remember. Dagon? Maybe not Bale. Maybe we'll just stick with Asherah. Do you know who Asherah was? Yeah. That broad. Mm-hmm. Fertility the, goddess. The freaking broad. <laughs> the freaking broad. What's up with you New Yorkers, man? Why can't you just talk to normal people? <laughs> All right. So we are at the third and final part of Second Kings. And we are talking about chapters 18 through 25. Um... It begins with Hezekiah's good reign. He attempts to do things the way of the Lord, the way David did. Um, how do you say that name? Sennacherib? Sennacherib. Sennacherib. Uh, then we have a challenge to Hezekiah. Um, then we have God's encouragement in chapters 19. Hezekiah's prayer in chapter 19, which is truly, truly emotional. Um, he kind of gives us a good example as to how to pray ourselves. Um, it's really all about God. It's it's um, it's pleading with God for Him to save him, but it's it's uh, it's really aimed towards glorifying God in and of itself. Um, then we have in chapters twenty Hezekiah's sickness and recovery. Um, he thought he was going to die, and he didn't. God recovered him from his sickness. And later on, at the end of chapter twenty, we see Hezekiah's death. Chapter twenty-one, Manasseh's evil reign. We're just getting through these. Um, Amon's evil reign in chapter 21, and Josiah's good reign in chapters 22. Josiah. Um, Josiah, again. Good kid. Like Hezekiah, tried to have a heart um, to do things right, but Josiah actually did things right. In chapter 22, he found a book of law, um, and it convicted him. 
He's like, oh my gosh, we've been doing things wrong Wait, all well, along. What, well, you didn't mention what's special about Josiah. What's special about Josiah? You guys don't know what's special about Josiah? He found the book of the law in the temple. He was Shevin. What's that? He was Shevin. He was, he seven? was seven years when old? he became king, yeah. Oh. oh, sick. Well, he didn't like rule and reign or anything like that. Obviously, he had a mentor. Actually, Joash was also seven. But Josiah is more well-known because he was a good king. Mm. But there's two seven-year-old kings in the Book of Kings. Wow. I didn't realize he was seven. I must have read right over that. Yeah. Um, but he found a book of law and realized that things were being done wrong. So um, he made a covenant with God. Josiah's reform in chapters 22. He commanded to remove all the vessels made for the false idols. He burned all the garbage. He literally, everything that Solomon put up to honor his women and his wives and, and all these things that were uh, filled with idolatry in the temple, he got rid of them all. He burned it down. Guys, um, this is going to happen to America in like 100 or 200 years. You think so? A seven-year-old's going to come burn us down? Uh, No. But like, I mean, things are going weird. Society's going weird directions, progressive politics, mm. weird stuff. Mm. And then in like a hundred years, they're going to find the Constitution and be like, oh my gosh. We've been oh, doing it wrong. I see where you're going with this. this like we're no longer going to be constitutional. We're going to just be like, I don't know. Things wild. are pretty digital now. Like people could just Google it and find it. It's but not, this, is the, this is the paradox of the digital age is we have all of the information at our fingertips, but no motivation to read any of it. Mm. Mm. That's so paradoxical. Bruh. That's a bruh moment. Bruh. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> we see Josh, Josiah's death in chapter 23. He was killed by Pharaoh Nico. I love that name, Pharaoh Nico. I thought it was Pharaoh Neko. I'd rather say Nico. Pharaoh Nico. Pharaoh Neko? Just sounds like Uncle. Yeah, like the wafers. Uncle Nico. Kill me, bro. Or like uh, the part under your head. Yep. Uh, <laughs> later on in chapter 23, we see Joahaz's evil reign. Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz. He was 23 years old, unlike Josiah, who was seven. So he had a little bit more time. Um, he did evil in the sight of the Lord and went bye-bye. He went bye-bye. Everybody dies. And in chapter, later on in chapter 23, we also see Jehoiakim, evil reign. Jehoiakim. Formerly known as Eliakim. He was 25 years old. And his job was practically to collect everybody's money to give it to Pharaoh Necho. That was his job. What a jerk. Um, and then we see Jehoiakim. Jehoiachin. 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 Jehoiachin's evil reign. Jehoiakim and then Jehoiachin. Jehoiakim. Hiya. And Jehoiachin. Hiya. Jehoiachin. <laughs> evil reign in chapter 24. He was 18 years old, a little bit younger. Again, evil stuff going on. We see this pattern all throughout this book. He gave himself up to the king of Babylon. 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 <laughs> Get me your one. Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> he gave himself up to Babylon in the eighth year of his reign. He destroyed Solomon's gold house. God, as he foretold, allowed them to be captured because of their evil ways. They were straight up captured now. Straight up captured. Straight up. Son. Um, so now we see. This is the southern capture? Yes. This is the Babylonian. This is leading up to the Babylonian captivity. 
it happened um, during Zedekiah's reign. However, Jehoiachin was still around, as you will see at the end of the book. Mm. And Zedekiah, evil reign, started in chapter 24. He was formerly known as Mad- Madaniah. He took Jehoiachin's place. Jehoiachin? Jehoiachin's Jehoiachin. Place, by order of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Jehoiachin was thrown in prison. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. like the book of Daniel. All right, in chapter 25, we see the full-on captivity of the southern kingdom. That's when King Nebuchadnezzar took over Israel's land. King Zedekiah (laughs) tried to get away to no prevail. Um, It it basically ends off with Jehoiachin. He was in jail, but the new king of Babylon um, takes him out for whatever reason, and he uh, takes off his prison garments, and he dined regularly at the king's table. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And um, he basically was provided all his daily needs as long as he lived. And that's how this chapter ends. Yeah. It's a weird ending. That's the Book of Kings. Sick. The two books. Yes, there's two books, but it was originally one book. That is why we did it all. Yeah, let's start the outline over. You know what? Yeah, let's just uh, talk about what happened in the Book of Kings real quick. Sure. So it used to be... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, that's the book of Kings, First and Second Kings. Um, we want you to go and check us out on www.biblebringers.com. You could also find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Bible Dingers. Check our polls on Instagram. Yes, we have some, what is, what new, are some exciting polls. Um, <laughs> who was the first judge in Judges? Obadiah. No. Oh wait, uh I'm sorry, Othniel. Yeah. It was O Othniel. O name. Um, how old was who when he died? I forgot. No no, you made them. <laughs> oh, Moreau. How old was Moreau <laughs> when he died? Evil Moreau. How evil was Moreau? <laughs> how evil, evil was Moreau. Moreau. <laughs> uh anyway, we got some cool, exciting <laughs> new polls up there. Um but while you're there. Make sure too. Don't pass this girl. Hit like, hit subscribe, hit follow. Don't treat us like any other page because what we're doing is new, exciting, and innovative. Unlike all the other pages. Oh, unlike everybody else. Ding on. Bible dingers. I felt like that would have been a perfect end.